Hello and welcome to Sociology Now, our first ever episode of this podcast that in real time discusses sociology as it applies to everyday things, specifically cartoons and the way our cartoons influence our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons and they were the defining part of my week. Cartoons have some of the most profound influence on my personality, namely my sense of humor. And I'm privileged to be able to reflect on these great pieces of animation and artwork that also had a message. And today I want to take the time to talk to you about one of my absolute favorite shows, Disney's Recess. Now, if you're not familiar with Recess, this show has six seasons, four movies. Right now, if you want to check it out, if you're not familiar with it, you can go to Disney Plus and stream the first three seasons. Uh, It was on ABC's One Saturday Morning. And this show was by far one of the greatest sociological philosophical takes on modern day civilization that you could really really hope for in a kid show that maintained humor integrity it was entertaining to watch and even now as an adult i still enjoy watching it so let's take a look at how we describe it this is actually um, a cartoon that portrays the lives of six fourth graders they attend third street elementary school where the students have set up a microcosm of traditional human society complete with its own government there's a class system a set of unwritten laws that are ruled and enforced by a monarch a sixth grader named king bob so he's got his various sixth grade enforcers who make sure all his decrees are carried out and that the playground rules are followed the society has a long list of rigid values and social norms that impose a high expectation of conformity upon all the students so if you actually go to youtube you can find some really great videos as well uh the recess recess facts from the creators from the youtube video 107 facts about recess i did not know this but the creators actually also had previously worked on hey arnold and rugrats which if you grew up watching 90s cartoons you know are epic so by all means check out recess if you haven't if you're a little bit younger and you don't know it please please find your way to disney plus so let's start by introducing our characters uh so there's a great article on blacknerdproblems.com by one jordan calhoun and he does a great summation of the show from a philosophical standpoint i highly recommend it uh but the way he succinctly describes the characters are as such we have tj detweiler vince lasalle ashley spinelli gretchen grundler mikey blumberg and the new kid gus griswold they were actually very very basic at first but you have gretchen the tall skinny genius who was the smarts of the squad spinelli who was the tomboy spitfire who stood up to anybody mikey was the gentle giant and of course vince was your jock tj was your leader and gus was the new character through whom we could all learn about this entire world and all its rules Detweiler is just Dennis the Menace. None of these are hardly original, yet Recess did creatively what most TV shows and movies, kids or adults, struggle to get right. Present a wide range of characters and place focus on their depth. Cliches be damned. 
And by focusing on their character development and audience's attachment to them as individuals, they trusted their audience to look past the surface to recognize their distinctness. And we did. Great quote. Go check out that full article again, blacknerdproblems.com by Jordan Calhoun. So while the characters and their relationships to one another definitely provide their own sociological and philosophical insight, the surrounding environment provided all sorts of insidious catalysts for shedding light on larger real world issues. Besides our main characters, we had some great peripheral characters that were very much ingrained into the fabric of the narrative. So right now, I want to start right at the beginning. I want to take a look at the first episode, season one, episode one. And as many cartoons do, you get two short episodes in one episode. So let's go right away and let's start. season one episode one we're going to start from the very beginning in real time with an episode and this first episode is called the break-in but of course we have to start at the beginning so let's really quickly recap this intro the very famous recess intro comes before every single episode it is our first utmost initial introduction to the gang and we see each and every one of them and the most important part of the school, the playground where recess is taking place. And we start to see some of our peripheral characters as well. We've got the diggers, we've got kindergartners, all the different grades, the principal. It's very fun. I enjoy it so far. They kind of give us an idea of what everybody's about. Gretchen's got her science. Mikey's eating a giant sandwich. Why are the kindergartners savages? Can we talk about that? Like, who decided? I mean, it's not really that far off from being an accurate depiction, but who who decided they should be like wild savages? And more importantly, is that is that inappropriate? Is that is that racist to native folks? Like, is that racist? This is why we talk about these things. So we get into the break-in, roll credits, tomato surprise, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the lunchroom. So first thing we do is call attention to the public school system's complete lack of nutritious food for its students. And in this case, the food is irrecognizable. And there was an entire movement where children used a hashtag and sent pictures of their deplorable school lunches to government officials, uh, namely the first lady. So this is definitely something that this show started in 1997 uh i was in the seventh grade for that makes me i guess a little bit older hashtag elder millennial but uh yeah this has been a problem that's been going on for quite a while used to bring my own lunch to school uh tried to buy it by freshman year of high school you know because you want to be cool you want to fit in you want to do what the big kids do because we didn't have that in my previous school and uh it was it was a abysmal like it didn't no i was like i'm never doing this again i'm better off bringing my own food at least i can recognize what it is and you know what the ingredients are so let's get back into this with the tomato surprise of course gretchen lets us know the 
synthetic compound with admirable qualities. Ah, if you let it age, you can burn a hole in a concrete floor, is what she says. And it is true, Vince's spoon disintegrates. Now, right then and there, that's when we get introduced to TJ as our leader. He immediately is the most indignant about the soup upon the opening credits, and he is the first to stand up, throw his arms up, and say, enough. Let's get some food for us that is not cardboard. Macaroni and cheese stuck together with paste, which really isn't too far off. If you've seen the macaroni and cheese in some American school lunchrooms, uh, where they're getting the macaroni and cheese from, the cheese looks more like a dyed Elmer's glue product in some cases. But what really makes me upset is that in this episode, TJ's plan is to get food that they are hiding from them in the back, the good food. And I hate to burst his bubble, but there's no good food in the school whatsoever unless it is in the teacher's lounge fridge from teachers that brought it themselves. Maybe the occasional cake, perhaps it was a birthday, but that's all you're gonna get. Everyone's miserable. The teachers are lucky the coffee pot works and or is clean. Oh, the Finster. So now we're here. We're here two minutes and 35 seconds into this first episode, and here we have Miss Finster. Oh, Finster. So right away in this scene, and if you go to it two minutes and 42 seconds in, watch along with me. We see that Finster has apprehended our leader, TJ, and Finster represents the oppressive authority who delights in the misery of children. And if we see behind her, there's this giant backdrop that says, drink your milk, uh, in all big caps letters, very bold statement. Another reference here, we can see from a sociological standpoint, uh, kind of poking fun at the way the dairy industry sort of shoves its product down children's throats in schools why is milk free why why is milk a thing at school like why why was that a thing i went to school it was milk kids got milk not food not milk and why of all the things i'm not sure but here we have tj apprehended two minutes 44 seconds in and she's giving this lecture addressing him in front of the entire crowd of students in the cafeteria uh no doubt as a means of humiliation Ah, look at him with those hands up as she tries to berate him, his hands up in victory, which, as she says, he's a boy this bad. He stands triumphant. And that was, that was TJ. He was the, you know, oppositional defiance against the Finster and the status quo, keeping them, you know, what they saw was oppressed. And if we look at this from a larger microscopic kind of thing, then yeah, for sure, we see that the Finster represents oppressive authority in its many forms uh, that just delights in misery for misery's sake, and perhaps because misery loves company, and these people are miserable themselves. But that is a whole nother topic. Let's keep going, shall we? So what's TJ to do? What is he to do? He's in the clutches of Finster, oh, and to punish him, she threatens to take away recess and right here we establish the entire show and the importance of recess and what it means to the kids because we didn't start building their world from the playground out they could have done that of course the show is called recess would make sense wouldn't it but we start inside with something miserable 
There's nothing good inside those walls for those children so far. We've seen crap food. We've seen really lousy administrators. So let's see what they do. Now we're on the playground and we're three minutes and 15 seconds in and recess has been threatened. There's one thing they live for every day. Watch along. So let's go. Oh, our Randall, our tattletale. Welcome, Randall. Welcome, Randall. So Randall is a great character. He is the snitch of the playground. He's the teacher's pet. He is the thing that snitches on all the little kids on the playground to the Finster in exchange for her adoration and praise. Uh, he's drawn in a really creepy little sidekick type of manner. Uh, so good looks on you there, animators. Good job, drawers, whatever. Um, so let's keep going here. 328. Oh, he gets cookies. Look at him chewing his cookie all sneaky. Now, as a kid with recess, for me, we didn't have the opportunity to play together like this. You know, they're all hanging out, doing their thing. I went to a Catholic school where boys and girls were forced to be separate in their play at recess from kindergarten through eighth grade, all grades. Um, and it was very gendered. Boys were expected to play ball. Uh, girls were expected to, I don't know, stand in a circle and look their fucking shoes. I don't know. But I like this recess better. It's a lot more fun. A little bit more uh, self-directed. And I love their reactions. You know, each one of them reacts completely according to their character. Gretchen always with the science facts. Mikey always coming at the emotions. Spinelli ready to throw down. Oh, guru kid. Oh, see now, okay. Hang on, if you don't know Recess, you need to know Guru Kid is an interesting character. Again, is this, is this, I mean, no, I think we're fine. Yeah, what is that supposed to mean, Spinelli says? Ah, so... Mikey seeks this emotional advice of Guru Kid and seeks spiritual enlightenment for his problem. And this really, really sets the tone for Mikey. We've got this great big guy, but he's so soft in every sense of the word. Soft in appearance, soft in how he approaches things, in his affect. You know, everything is emotions first. And it's wonderful to see Mikey as the show progresses and the way his perspective, especially with Spinelli, how they're just complete opposites, really, really lend to one another. Now, if we go forward with this episode, their now objective goal is to break TJ out of this recess void that he has been summoned to. Uh, now, let's skip ahead. We've got our diggers. we got the swinger. Everyone established in the episode. I love that she's dressed like Amelia Earhart, by the way. Now the kindergartners are 
their own kind of recurring solid many character one character entity and you know i don't know if this is sort of this take on i don't know early colonists and natives or the fact that children really are just wild little beasts uh for a certain time while they're forming all their motor functions but the moment we've all really been waiting for in this episode is this next scene where we're seeing king bob Oh, great King Bob, overseer of the playground. So he is treated as royalty, regarded as loyalty, addressed as royalty. Uh, He shows fealty, he's down on one knee, and he even wears this little helmet crown. My favorite is the helmet crown. Now, this part is really interesting because while these kids live in what you presume is an American school system, um, they're still having this monarchy type of hierarchy. And it's really interesting because if you think about it, despite the fact that we are supposed to be a democratic nation, we do kind of have this entire setup of loyalty and party and, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And with capitalism, well, I own this, so I'm in charge of it, so I get to call the shots on what happens here and how the people here behave, how they make their money, how they trade. Uh, It can really be seen as, you know, okay, we've got this sixth grade young man sitting on this giant play structure with his guards around him, and, you know, the lower classmen are coming to him asking for a favor for something that is beyond their means, trying to unite, and it just kind of has you know, if you're a kid watching it, of course, you, you understand inherently what you're in, but you lack the language, that this is some sort of caste system. And school really is just a microcosm of larger society and finding your place in it. And this is definitely calling attention to that right now, especially with this invented monarchy of King Bob the sixth grader decreeing from on high. So we're seven minutes and 42 seconds into this first episode. Let's see what King Bob has to say. Now, he being fanned, he's got secret security, he's got the whole nine. This is a full-blown king. I'm surprised nobody's feeding him grapes. Ah. Now that line. Of course you need my help. Everyone needs my help. I'm the king. How, again, how interesting in, you know, these kids are supposed to be learning about democracy, presumably. They're in school, right? But they have a king. And everyone needs his help because he's the king, which, you know, presumes he does. Okay, so we've got King Bob. We've asked for his help. He's let us know that he expects everyone to need his help. But does he help them? No. Does he agree outright? No. First, he's got to go on a tirade about what it means to be the king and how it's a heavy responsibility. Now, notice that his responsibilities include... The sixth graders being treated with respect, which is mostly just the authoritarianism of the eldest and the strongest. And you know, I love that Spinelli, despite being a fourth grader, is indignant enough to stand up to that. 
she really does represent an entire faction of people, like that whole David and Goliath thing, where no matter what, you are just nothing but some dumb kid with a crown on, and she sees him for what he is. And that's why you like Spinelli, because she calls it like she sees it. She gives no extra special treatment to this moron in a hat shaped like a crown. Just because you're a sixth grader doesn't make you better than me, and that is definitely something that we can internalize as kids. And remember, just because somebody says they're better than you does not make them actually better than you. Oh, there's King Bob now at 9 minutes and 10 seconds when Spinelli tells him like it is. And that, you know what? They're really more alike than they are different. And that if they united and stood up for all the times kids of the playground were treated like just dumb kids, they got to stick together. And that's the lesson here is they must stick together and unite. And that's what they do. So now we're back at our original mission now that we've spoken to the king. But notice it is the king's permission that ultimately gets the movement going back to the original mission of saving TJ from this terrible recessless detention void where he's alone, he's in isolation, kind of like a prison system, not going to lie, a little bit like isolation in the wake, drives you crazy. But now here we have our characters breaking in through the cafeteria using that tomato surprise from the beginning of the episode she's taken it gretchen she has scientifically explored it and now she is melting locks on metal with it to break out her friend bless your ingenuity gretchen love it hmm. thanks public school for the nutrition at least we know it's good for something few drops and the door goes boom like a boss gretchen you push that door down with one finger i do love that and of course, do we find TJ? No. TJ escaped already. Because did we expect TJ to stand still the whole time? Absolutely not. Uh-oh. Here we go. 10 minutes and 28 seconds in. We freed TJ. We've broken in. But here is Finster to break it all down. Now. <laughs> Oh, the Finster. Anybody can do a great impression of Finster. Let me hear it. That would be great. Not so much myself, but it was fun. But you know what's interesting is that this whole thing, you know, they're trying to break him out. They spent their whole recess doing it. They spent their whole recess trying to break TJ out of his in-school detention, only to find TJ already escaped. And regardless, at the end of the period... TJ still gets freed, but in kid time we know that things sometimes feel longer than they actually are. And TJ looks at Gretchen and the gang, he says, thanks for trying anyway, and they all walk on free. And even though they wasted their recess in TJ's eyes, Gretchen lets him know it wasn't a waste. It was actually quite fun and quite interesting. And that's our introduction to the Recess Gang, episode one, season one, the break-in. Now we know our characters and where they stand and understand that recess is a lot more than just fun and games outside. It is a way of life. It is something to look forward to, and it is definitely something that sustains our characters. Thanks for joining me. We're going to take care of the second episode on our next podcast. Thanks for joining this first one, and if you've got questions, comments, or feedback, I would love to hear from you by all means. Check out Recess on Disney Plus Streaming. Let me know your favorite characters. Thanks for hanging out. Have a great day.